but because the scenario had all the elements of a banal romance novel. The leering villain, the wounded hero coming to the rescue. The flare of brightening lights caught her eye, and she slammed on her brakes. An accident ahead? No, just the usual mess at the 270 interchange. Her neck muscles ached with tension. Spots of moisture appeared on the windshield. Great, she thought sourly. Washington drivers go completely to pieces when it rains. At least she wouldn't have to drive all the way through the city into Georgetown and all the way back to College Park. At that time of day, it would have added an additional two hours to the trip. Cheryl was so considerate, always thinking of other people, offering help without having to be asked. Not that her mothering instincts couldn't drive a person crazy sometimes. Bitch, Rachel said, softly and savagely. She was referring to herself, not to Cheryl, and she sometimes wished she could cultivate the self-deception that allows many people to delude themselves about their real motives. No such comfort was available to her. She was clearly, painfully aware of how indefensible her feelings were. She couldn't conquer them. They were as basic and ungovernable as hunger, but at least she had had the decency to conceal them. Cheryl didn't know, thank God she didn't know, why the idea of staying overnight was so distasteful. Rachel had spent the night a few times before Tony came home, babysitting, though that word was never used in Joe's hearing. So Cheryl could stay late at the hospital. She hadn't done it since, despite Cheryl's frequent offers. Imagining them together was bad enough without actually seeing it. When had it happened? The time she'd tripped over a teddy bear callously abandoned on the steps and toppled into his arms? He'd only held her for a moment before setting her on her feet and remarking with a rueful grin, If I've told Jerry once, I've told him a hundred times not to leave his toys lying around. Lucky for Cheryl, I arrived at the strategic moment. You could have sued her for a hefty sum. Well, the time her car wouldn't start, and he had insisted on driving her to the mall to buy a new battery after he had diagnosed the old one as beyond repair. He'd helped her install it, too. Cheryl must have told him she didn't have much money. Or just the first time she had set eyes on him, arriving home in mid-morning after a long and obviously unpleasant night on the job. Despite the fatigue that lined his face, he was certainly the handsomest man she'd ever seen. Fifties film star handsome, the classic stereotype of the Latin lover of the old movies. But it hadn't been his looks. It had been his manner, the way he smiled at Cheryl, the tenderness with which he held his little boy. And then there was Phil. Their relationship had gone sour so fast that its abrupt, ugly ending had left her groping for someone, something, to take, not Phil's place, but the place she had hoped he would occupy. She'd been trying to fill that place for several years, but in the other cases she had had sense enough to realize it wasn't going to work before she became intimately involved. She had thought Phil would be different, but in the end it had been she who told him it was over. That was when things got ugly. His reaction had dealt the final blow to her infatuation. He wasn't hurt, he was furious, that she had dismissed him 
before he could walk out on her. Tony was all the things she had wanted Phil to be, all the things she had deluded herself into believing that he was. Only one little problem there. Tony wasn't available. When she got home, the house was dark, not a light showing. She had shared the house with three other graduate students. Now that Phil had moved out, there were only two, and both of them had gone home for the holidays. Rachel wasn't worried about being alone, but she could have kicked herself for failing to leave a few lights burning. It got dark so early these winter days, and the house was on a side street, several blocks from the commercial strip of Route 1. She opened the door and turned on the lights, including the one on the porch, and trudged wearily back to the car to get the bag of linens. This wasn't a particularly bad neighborhood, but no neighborhoods in and